Howard, and I am here in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, and it looks like I'll be here for a while, so I've been needing to record this episode. First things first, if you are a new return listener, thank you. If you're a new listener, let me tell you a little bit about what I do. I am a truck driver. I travel all over the United States, and during that time, I have to take a 10-hour break at different truck stops. And I talk about the truck stops I stay at, reviews, what people think about it, all the crybaby truck drivers. And yes, I am a truck driver, but some of the reviews that they leave for these really make them, it's crazy. Big baby. We are. And if you're traveling through there, what's to eat and why would you be traveling through there? But first things first, if you haven't already, I just got one review not too long. I'll have to look it up, see who it was. But rate review on iTunes, I guess that's the one that everybody wants, you know, the whole algorithm and get noticed. But you can rate and review me anywhere. Also, if you want to help support me and you like what you hear, please go to patreon.com forward slash truck stop murder. And that will help out. You start anywhere from $1 to $10. At the $10, you'll get a cup created by Mrs. Kruger. And bonus episodes and early access, which I will be releasing this one. And you don't have to be five dollars as most. You could be at one dollar gets it. bonus episodes and early release. Now it won't be the same as the five dollar tier. So the one dollar tier is early release and bonus content, and set two is a re- release and bonus content, but different ones. And ten is all that plus a mug by Mr. Kruger. But enough of that. Let's continue on. Yeah, I'm over here at this paper mill in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, so I'll figure I'll do this. Now, I have not been to this truck stop. It's actually the only one here in Beaver Dam, so I thought I'd cover that. It's a small place. It's a quick trip. It only has four reviews, so luckily I won't be sitting on this very long, talking about the truck stop quick trip very long. It says says there's no parking here, but it is on Trucker's Path for some reason, I guess because of the fuel lines, but I did a Google Earth search on it, and I don't see them. I really don't. Maybe they're mixed on with the regular pumps. There's only one pump area in front of the truck stop, so there's no Wi-Fi, no scales, no alarms, nothing. It's a basic gas station with the diesel there. So if you happen to be driving through there and you need to get some food, what can you eat? There used to be this place called John's, but it's, I couldn't open it up, so I guess it's no longer open. Or a quarter mile away, 0.2 miles away, there's the Bayside Supper Club. which It says dancing cocktails and everything else, but when I looked it up, pictures, it looks like there's a buffet. Now, it might be a bar, too. I don't know. But they had a, I looked at the pictures of it, and it's a buffet setting with fried fish, chicken, and different things like that. And, of course, the restaurant itself, I mean, the truck stop itself does have some foods, too. It has hot spot food like hot dogs and fried chicken and take-home meals. So, stuff you get at a truck stop. So, let's talk about the reviews. And, like I said, there's not too many reviews. One guy, and they're, none of them are really negative. They're the lowest one is a three-star. First one starts off with one month ago, no truck parking here. Okay. Second one is a three-star, two diesel lanes, not a rookie stop, tight getting in and out, door is clean and friendly. 
brand new quick trip clean visited on october 13th it says 10 13 21 opposite side of the old quick trip two diesel lanes no truck parking and the last one is a five star by the way that was a four star there last one five star review 10 months ago last one was 10 months ago and the one who talked about the rookie stop that was nine months ago so all these are within 10 months and last one just said excellent so why would you be going to beaver dam for some cheese maybe some beer maybe and all that could be found at the beaver dam raceway yes there's a, a racetrack here looks like for small cars not a nascar all the same racing cheese and beer there you go one reviewer said this is an awesome dirt track so notification awesome dirt track so it's a dirt track the staff and concessions are awesome the facility is very updated and clean we enjoy or you could go to the beaver dam family center it's a sports complex there's an review all this that i'm looking at right now is on TripAdvisor. i'm not going to go in details i'm just going to talk about you know what i see on here reviews if there's a review i'll read if not number three of course cheese schlauch cheese house house schlauch c-h-s-c-h-u-l-t-z schlauch cheese house h-a-u-s so there's cheese go figure here in wisconsin this is the review is this is one of the numerous cheese houses in wisconsin welcome to our state if you're from out of town Yep, and what else there to do? Then there's the Dockside Pub Grill on Beaver Dam. So there you go, get drunk. And then there's the Thirsty Beaver. We'll leave it off the top five with the Thirsty Beaver. For every home run hit by the Brewers during the game, the bar patron receives a coupon for a free drink. Luckily, it's not a good team because they'll be going out of business, just the Brewers. But there you go there is everything you know about the beaver dam and the truck stop like i said and i did not say i'm not saying the truck stop i am just waiting to get unloaded here so that was the only place that was nearby so what are we talking about today now today is going to be a rather sensitive post i'm going to let you know right now it does involve suicide and mental health issues so if this is something that you're not comfortable with, go ahead and just stop it. I will understand. It does involve that. This is, this is a subject that is actually dear to my heart, too, because I have, if you have been listening to the past episodes, I have been dealing with some issues myself since I've been, you know, declined work from the Polinsky unit. More than that, also, I deal, do deal with issues, PTSD from the military, but enough about me. I'll talk more about that at the end of the show so you can listen to everything I have to say. And if you decide to stick around to the end and hear about why I finally decided to pull the trigger on this one, then you can stick around and listen. Otherwise, thank you for listening to it all. But let's talk about, first, there's going to be three cases on here. Now, the first and last one I've been wanting to do, but I didn't want, there was no murder. And it's this truck stop murder. So I wanted to make sure that has a you know i didn't know i put off the side burner because they were interesting to me but there was no murder so and it would have been very short but first one we're going to i first i didn't know about this woman i first learned about her on faces of forgotten it's a youtube channel it's a man his name is ron he travels around the united states 
and he looks at different cemeteries and tells a story about them. He's on a YouTube, so go check it out. He does a drone that does aerial views of the cemeteries. So, and tell him that Gary from Truck Stop Murder sent you. Okay, and from here is from Wikipedia. Evelyn Francis McHale was born September 20, 1923, and passed away May 1, 1947. Was an American bookkeeper who died by suicide by jumping off the 86th floor observation deck of the Empire State Building. After she did this, there was a photograph taken. Four minutes after her death, she had landed on a limousine by a photographer's student, Robert Wills, who just happened to gain you know, iconic status from this picture, being referred to as the most beautiful suicide. So who is Evelyn? Talk about Evelyn. There's really not too much. I mean, she, she spent, Evelyn McHale was born in Berkeley, California, one of nine children born to Helen and Vincent McHale. Her father was a bank examiner who relocated to Washington, D.C. in 1930. Her mother suffered from undiagnosed and untreated depression. So it started with her mom. And a lot of times you can see if depression does run in the family, usually one person, I might be wrong about this, but a lot of times, is if one person, a lot of people, it's usually hereditary about depression. It's rarely you may see one person with it. But yeah, this led to a challenging marriage and ultimately a divorce between her, Evelyn's parents. Vincent gained custody of all children and moved to Tuckahoe, New York. So what did Evelyn do? After graduating from high school, Mikhail joined the Women's Army Corps and was stationed in Jefferson City, Missouri. She later moved to Baldwin, New York, and was employed as a bookkeeper at the Kitab Engraving Company on Pearl Street. She met her fiance, Barry Rhodes, a college student exchange, a college student discharged from the United States Air Force, and he was actually well, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and was actually proposed to her. But well, on so on April. 30th, 1947, Mikhail took a train from New York to Easton, Pennsylvania, which I go there a lot, to visit Rhodes. The next day, after Rhodes' residence, of course, at that, at that time, he did propose marriage to her, and she seemed very excited about it, and there was no signs of nothing troubling her or nothing. And so the next day, after leaving Rhodes' residence, she returned to New York City and went to the Empire State Building, where some people saw her, and she took off her evening coat and set it down and then she jumped off the 80 store 6 floor observatory this 86 floor observatory, observatory then on top of a parked car a security guard was totally standing by approximately 10 feet away from her just before she jumped so so he saw it, but this was before now you go there there's railings safety nettings and everything you can't there's no way to jump off but Rhea Rhodes did not notice any indication of suicidal thoughts before Mikhail left. Detective Frank Murray found her suicide note in a black pocketbook next to her neatly floated, folded clothes coat over the observation deck wall. And this is what it said. And this was, you know, the only sign that she, if, if anybody known that she had any kind of mental issues. She states in her note, it says, I don't want anyone in or out of my family to see any part of me. Could you destroy my body by cremation? I beg of you and my family. Don't have any service for me or remembrance for me. My fiance asked me to bury him in June. 
So he had, I don't think I would make a good wife for anybody. He is much better off without me. Tell my father I have too many of my mother's pendants. So there you go. He actually asked her to marry. I was was wrong about that. He asked him marry before that. I guess she went just to visit him. And like I said, I have too many of my mother's tendencies. So, but yeah, her uh, body was identified by her sister, Helen Brenner. In accordance with her wishes, Mikhail was cremated with no memorial services or grave. Barry Rhodes became an engineer before moving south where he died in Melbourne, Florida in October of 2007. And that was her boyfriend, if you didn't remember. But yeah, the photo of her body. Now here's the photo. There's I, I'm gonna try. I've tried to fo- put this on Facebook before. I'm gonna try again, but it marked it as it, it put a tag. Try to put me in Facebook jail. I'll try to put it up. If not, just look it up. The beautiful suicide. You'll see it. And what made her so you know not wonderful. That's a horrible way to say. So iconic is the way she landed. She was in dress. She had white gloves on. And she was clenching her a pearl necklace that she had around her neck. And looking at her, she looks just like she's sleeping. Even though the car around her is crushed, but it looks like she is sleeping. They why they call it any beautiful suicide. But yeah, her photo taken by Robert Wills was published in Us magazine. It has been compared to photograph photographed by Malcolm Brown of the self emulation of Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Compared to the guy who I guess he's the guy who set himself on fire. Who burned himself alive as a busy Saigon Road intersection in 1960? Both were widely regarded as being among the most iconic suicide photos. So, where can you find these photos? Well, Andy Warhol used it in one of his photos. Also, there's um, David Bowie had a video single called Jump the, the Sky, that Sky, Radiohead, 1995 Music, Spirit, Street Spirit, Fade Out. So they, there's a couple songs about, you know, where they have the video. I think it was the Radiohead, 1995 music that actually shows both include a reenactment. Yeah, they do. Reenaction of the image with Bowie and Tom York representing playing atop a smash card. Played, played. So, okay. So now that's Evelyn McHale. But what made me decide to do this, my wife had sent me an article about two boys who killed their family, side, I guess that's what they call it, where they too had faced a severe depression. And this is from the Washington Post that I'm about to read. And But he did leave a note, no, because this is more of a recent one. It was back in the 40s. This was in 2009, I believe. And I'll get that in my notes. I'm looking at it right now. But it was more recent when they had Instagram. And what he did was he actually posted a suicide note on Instagram before he did this. So, yeah, six member family members shot to death in Texas after brothers formed murder-suicide pact, so he said. So, now on the website itself, it has a correction. It's the earlier version of the story. If you read this, if you get the wrong story, if you want to look this up, it says the Washington Post. It says the earlier version of the story misstated Farhead Cowhead's claim about speaking to his roommates at the University of Texas, Austin, prior to the killings. He wrote that he discussed his struggles with mental illness with the roommate, but did not 
they claimed that they discussed desires to kill his family. So they knew he had meant, but they didn't know. He knew he was depressed, but he didn't know he had homicidal feelings about his family. He also claimed to be evicted from the dorm, not expelled. This version, of course, had been removed, which was all false. He actually left uh, on his own accord. The lengthy note, which I'm going to read from Farhan Tahid, a 19-year-old Texan, went up on Instagram over the weekend, beginning with the alarming claim, Hey, everybody, I killed myself and my family. When a family friend saw the 11-page letter, they quickly called the police and requested a wellness check, warning that the Tahid was suicidal. So on early morning on Monday, police forced their way into a red brick house in Allen, Texas, inside they found six people dead. Farhan Tawhid, his brother Tavir Tawhid, 21, his father Tawhidul Islam, his 54, his mother Irene Islam, 56, his grandmother Altafun Nisa, and 19-year-old twin sister Farbin Talon. They all have been shot to death. Police told the Washington Post by Farhan and Tavir Cowan. As part of a suicide pact, the pair had planned out for over a month. It looks like the two sons entered into an arrangement that they were going to die by suicide and they were going to take their family members with them. Allen Police Sergeant John Belty told them. Police have not confirmed when the death took place, but it said likely the brothers killed their family members on that Saturday night. The mass killings, and all the, they will be on a note, on the show notes, so I'll make sure you get them. The mass killings of the family, family which moved the United States from Bangladesh around 15 years ago, left friends and neighbors in shock. We just can't believe it happened to this family. Family friend Saeed Shahri, 60, told the Post. They're a very loving family. We didn't see anything wrong with their family, and, and no problems at all, any problems. The Talhead family first settled in New York before moving to Allen, a northern suburb of Dallas. Shahiri said, I'm sorry if I muff up these words. <laughs> they're, they're just Indian words, I guess India names. So I might muffle them up here. I'm warning you right now. Talhidul. The father worked in information technology while his wife, Irene, took care of the house and their children. Neighbor told the Dallas Morning News that Altafan, the grandmother, was visiting from Bangladesh and was scheduled to return home last week, earlier that week, but flight was postponed because of the pandemic. You know, this not too long, right after, oh, this happened in 20, I'm sorry, this happened in 2021. And what is, I'm, I give you the wrong date, but yeah, this is rather new. This happened last year during the pandemic. Farben Farhin's sis, twin sister had recently accepted a full scholarship to attend New York University. KDFW reported. So this was, was a very smart family. Both boys were in college as well. According to Farhan's note on Instagram, he and his twin brothers Tavir had struggled with mental illness for years. Farhan wrote that he had from depression since the ninth grade and reportedly harmed himself. His family had tried to help him, but he said that his mental health issues had recently worsened. He had been studying computer science at the University of Texas at Austin. He wrote but claimed he was evicted from the dorm 
in that winter after discussing his mental illness with a roommate. So they try. He tried to say they kicked him out when they found out he had mental issues. He he's suffering from depression. But a university spokesman told the Post that Farron had been a sophomore in the College of Natural Science, voluntarily withdrew from the school in January of 2021 and canceled his housing contract, checking out his residence hall on January 31st. The University of Texas. The University of Texas Police Department has no police reports filed on Fairham, and there was no concerns reported to our our behavior concerns advice line. So they had nothing. Nobody said no emails, no nothing about his well-being. Fairham moved home, where Tavir, whom he discovered described as depressed and socially anxious, was staying. So the, that's when they're both the brothers had moved back home with their parents, and eventually the pair decided to kill their family and then themselves. He wrote, instead of having to deal with the aftermath of my suicide, I could just do them a favor and take them with me. So after he killed, he was planning on killing himself. Well, both of them talked about killing himself, but they didn't want to deal with, have their family deal with them, you know, their loss, and, you know, worry, not worry, but be saddened by it. So they decided to take them out too. So the pair bought guns. He wrote in a note, adding that gun control is easy in the U.S. And I don't want to hear nothing about gun control because that's another reason why I want to talk about this. And a lot of people think stricter, which is true. They should have stricter gun laws. But I don't really believe that stricter gun laws is going to stop what's going on in our nation right now. It has, you have to stop it at the start of it, mental illness. If you look at any cases, Every single one of these incidences was mental illness. In some of the cases, the person, the way they got the weapons was from someone else who was not the killer. So, and people don't get weapons regardless. Just go Chicago in the gangs or L.A. You think any of them people in the gangs have licensed or registered guns? Hell, if I can know, it's going to happen with or without stricter laws. They need to be a better mental health we need to really focus on that to cure that and i think we will cure all these school shootings we'll stop them or slow them down at least but yeah they're having to deal with them the pair bought guns like you said gun control in the u.s is a joke because the pair lied when they asked if they were suffering from mental illness police did not confirm how many guns were used in the shooting added that tavir was able to literally purchase a gun so maybe they need to start because reporting these things have a system. If people do have mental issues, add to that, and that's one of the checks. Put in computer, is this person a mental institution? Or is it on any kind of medication that might affect his ability to control this weapon? Well, you know what I'm saying. It is unclear when exactly if I hear allegedly posted the note to Instagram, but police said officers arrived at the home around 1 a.m. on the Monday. We have never had an incident like this in 21 years that I've been here. Belty told KXAS, it's a tragedy and there's no other way to describe it. Belty said none of the neighbors reported hearing gunshots and the police received no reports of gunfire in the area. The family had never reported any issues to the police yet. Chaturi said the Bangladeshi community in the area is still grappling from the news. The loss of the family was was active in the Bangladesh Association of North Texas, leaves a void in a tight-knit community. The association's general secretary, 
Nahida Ali called the news horrific and shocking in a Facebook post on Monday. The University of Texas at Austin also mourned the death of Farhan. So the news of the story devastated, and we were expressed deepest sympathies of the extended family and friends of Farhan Town, Nahid. The university said a statement shared at the post, the university takes mental health concerns very seriously and has a comprehensive, comprehensive, comprehensive approach to provide supporter services. So, and some of the members of the Bangladesh community arrived at the scene early on a Monday morning and did not leave until the family's body was removed from the home around 6 p.m. Shelbury said, I've never seen a crime like this. This is hard to swallow. They had a lot of friends in the neighborhood, and it's pretty heartbreaking of the community. I'm going to leave that part, and I'm going to go into the letter that he had wrote. Maybe if they don't, like I said, they don't know when was, if the murders was right after. It could have been a while. But maybe they're, they thought they were joking. I don't know when. But like I said, the police don't know when the murders took place relevant to the Instagram note. So, but yeah, if you or someone you know needs help, call the Suicide National Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-237-TALK, 8255. That is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text a crisis counselor by messaging messaging the crisis text line at 741741. And all these are confidential, so you don't have to worry about if you just want to talk to one person. And that's it. There's no all confidential. Nobody needs to know. So it will say more about it in the notes itself. But during it, I'm sorry if my voice went up. Somehow my volume got up, and I don't want to record all that over again. So, but if it'll say more in the notes. But yeah, the two brothers, what they did was they one person took. They both they had two guns, and one brother. Went and killed the parents, but other killed the sister and grandmother. So, well, I believe it's in a note. So I read it a few times. So, and of course, it's a little kind of long note. So if you don't want to listen to the whole suicide note, just go ahead, skip a few minutes, about five or six minutes, or so. It'll be in the notes when I stop. But this is the note, so you get kind of idea what was going through his mind while this was all going on in Farhin's mind and his brother. It starts off with, hey everyone, I killed myself and my family. If I'm going to die, I might as well get some attention. I'm going to cover four important issues I encountered throughout my life. Who knows, some good might come out of it. For those who don't know, I've had depression since ninth grade, 2016. Not the damn I failed my test, depression everyone says they have. More like I only cut myself twice today. That's better than usual. I remember the first time I cut myself. It was on August 22nd, 2017. I had I did it with a pair of craft scissors. The blades were pretty dull, so it was more of rubbing the scissors against my arm instead of a clean cut. Eventually, my skin gave after a couple more lines. The relief started to kick in. It didn't take a long time take long to become addicted to the feeling. Unfortunately, scissors made for kids aren't very good for cutting flesh so I had to move into knives it was pretty easy just taking one from the kitchen they have they were dull but they worked much better initially I would cut my stuff every other week but the frequency increased dramatic drastically 
as junior year progressed. I moved on to cutting weekly every other day, daily and finally multiple times a day. The need to need to cut leaked into times I was at school. I can't count how many calculus quizzes I turned in blank since I was too busy in the bathroom to cut myself. To make matters worse, my three best friends dropped me. They tried to help me before but they eventually realized that dealing with a depressed person is a lot of work. I was angry at first, but in the retrospect, what were they? It comes my first point, getting help. Everyone says, you can get, talk to me and post these useless mental health links on their story, but when they actually interact with someone who's depressed, you realize how impossible fixing them is. I've never benefited from telling someone about how, about how depressed I was. It always ends with them having to leave me. The only people who really stuck around with those obligated to. Just pretend you care and never directly offer help. It will only waste both of our time. I hit my breaking point sometime in the winter that year when I cut myself until I physically couldn't feel anything. I couldn't hide being depressed anymore. Once I told my dad, he worked his ass off trying to help. Eventually, I was thrown in some team mental health camp where I was finally, when I finally diagnosed and got medication, we seemed to help. He 25 milligrams of this venlafaxine, D-E-S-V-E-N-L-A-F-A-X-I-N-E, if, if you're curious. We seemed to help. They also gave me coping mechanisms to help. They also gave me coping, like journaling and whatnot, along with therapy. Things were looking up. Second semester of junior year, as some of you know, was a big change. I became fucking cool. By the time summer came around, I lost most of my fat and stopped being the cringy, awkward kid I used to be. End of the summer rolls around and comes senior year, the best year of my life. I somehow managed to get a girlfriend who was far out of my league, becoming a programming god, and made a solid new friend group. Things got even better when I got into computer science at UT Austin, which is supposed to be a big deal. I never really cared about school, but it felt good having something others cared about. My life was starting to sound perfect, right? Unfortunately, the answer is yes, my life was perfect. That was the issue. My life was perfect. But that didn't change the fact that I was depressed. I would still have the urges to cut myself and prime myself to sleep. I tried doubling my medication, which worked, but only temporarily. Every solution was always temporary. Fast forward to college. I moved into the three, moved in with three of my best friends. Going to college was going to be a fresh start where I could start putting in efforts, get good grades, and hopefully become normal. I couldn't do it. I swear I tried, but I was just couldn't. For the life of me, I just couldn't comprehend how people do it. You people are okay with spending hours upon hours listening to lectures, doing homework, and studying for at least four hours so you can get a good get a job and make some money. You plan on working at the job for a third of your life, sleep for the other third, and do God knows what for the last. How are you satisfied with that? Don't you ever get bored or upset with the mental stuff, doesn't it feel like you're wasting your time? 
it's not fair. I did everything right, everything little fucking thing right. I'm still just a pathetic. Everyone's allowed to worry about their future, and I can't even think about what I'm going to do tomorrow without enduring the existential crisis. It's not fair how everyone can be so content while I can't even fathom being happy. No matter what I do, I just can't be happy. It bugged the hell out of me. I started doing poorly in my classes. At the end of the semester, I had my first breakdown in months. And I only cried, laughed, and talked to myself while I punched a wall for hours. Compared to the other times I broke, this wasn't so bad. At this point in time, my two suitmates, I guess suitmates, roommates, knew I was extremely pressed. I mean, it would have been kind of weird that they didn't. My roommate, on their hand, gave me the impression that I was a joke. Apparently, he thought he also had depression, and the only reason why I needed medication while he did was because he had willpower, which that's a joke, and I did that. I guess, in a way, he was right. My second point starts with a question mainly directed to anyone who thinks they're depressed. Why? You had a bad break of a 10th grade? You flunked your physics exam? I swear at this point, you can claim you're depressed if you had a tear after watching a Try Not to Cry compilation. I remember senior year when I arrived in school after a little cutting session, and one of my friends said, I'm going to kill myself because they had a physics test that day. The best part is they knew I had depression the real time. Before people start claiming I'm gatekeeping, being sad, that's not the case at all. Of course, it makes sense for people being bummed out after forgetting about a quiz and not acing the interview. My problem is while many people feel sadness, it's just depression. Depression is when you feel that some sadness to the point where it interrupts your sleep or prevents you from doing your hobbies. For over two weeks, it's a real illness. If calling someone silly billy as a joke is considered wrong, then treating depression the same way should be too. So also, if you just, I'm still reading this, but this is a long letter. So also, if you just try to fast forward to pass this letter, I'm still reading it, but I want to make sure I get it all. So you can really get the mindset of this young man, what he was going through. Also, back to the note. Also, I don't get why mental illnesses are treated so differently from physical elements. No one expects someone without legs to walk, so it should be much surprised that someone depressed has a hard time being normal. I think this stems from the idea of a conscious separate from physical structure of the brain, but if someone took out a fundamental part of your brain, you might become a completely different person. Off the top of my head, example would be cases of people with epilepsy who, once they have their amygdalas removed, were reprived from their seizures but acted much more reckless as they seemed no longer have a natural fear response. I'm sure that there are plenty more examples. Neurons are just the biological equivalent of transistors and computers. ATCG instead of O's and ones. That's DNA, but you get the point. Consequences is nothing but a byproduct of environmental luck. Okay, winter break came along, and I tried to get 
reinvested in school by programming. I made a 3D graphic engine with my brother, which was pretty fun. Check it out on github.com forward slash Bartow. I haven't looked that up yet, but I'm going to do it as soon as I get done recording. I was already to give school a nurse shot. I never really had a choice, did I? It didn't work. I just couldn't care. I tried my best to keep it together, but my closet suitmates, closest suitmates noticed I was extremely off. He offered to talk to me. I made the mistake of accepting. I told him everything. He knew most of my ideals already, but there was one new thought that I shared. All the haunted him. Don't worry, I'll reveal it in a bit. All you need to know is that a few weeks after our talk, I was kicked out of the dorm. I can't really blame them, but I do wish they would have at least made this you know, decision with me. A short week after getting evicted, I dropped out of college. I needed to get a will to live before I could get motivation for some piece of paper. I spent the next, I spent a few weeks of being a dropout by watching shows with my other brother. If you think my situation was fucked, his was much worse. The dude is a fucking genius, but is too depressed and socially anxious to do anything with it. He had to go through the same shit I did except by himself. I would have killed myself a long time ago if, it wasn't, if he wasn't there. So everything prior to, I'm going to break from the letter. Everything prior to this letter sounds like his brother was going through the same thing, but he didn't have classmates to help him to talk to or nothing like that. So the first and most important show we watched was The Office. Now let's talk. The really He really got pissed off about The Office. So here we go. This is his thoughts on The Office. This leads me to my third major point. The Office should have ended when Michael left. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good episodes afterwards, season 3 and 7 were my favorites, but eventually it went to shit. The whole point is that if people is funny, but plausible situations, but then they introduce Robert California, who convinces the owner of a multi-million dollar, this is uppercase, multi-million dollar company, like he's yelling it, to make him a fucking CEO, that stupid British chick whose name I can't even remember, takes Andy's fucking job. And back to uppercase. Nobody backs him up. The show was dumb, all bound, and nobody backs him up. <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's not realistic at all, and it fits in the face of all the characters' development. We had, speaking of, we had, speaking of which, why does Annie have to go insane in the last season? Out of every character of the show, he grew the most. He had an anger management issue and was a gam- goddamn sympathant. Sympath- C-Y-C-O-P-H-A-N-T. But grew into someone really caring and genuine. His family gets destroyed and he's the only one who cleans the mess up. But then randomly, dis- randomly decides to go to a stupid boat trip for no reason. This is the character who traveled all the way to Florida from Erin. But he just leaves her to ride a boat without her. What the fuck? And to top it all off, he gets the worst ending of the group. Great people say the final makeup for for it, which is complete lie. Sure, it was cute, but it doesn't justify the last few shitty seasons we had to deal with. Yeah, Michael's there, but for only two scenes. There's a lot more I want to say, but hey, life is short. We keep watching until February 21st, 2021. That's the day my older brother came into my room with a proposition. 
if we can't fix everything in a year, we'll kill ourselves and our families. Allow me to explain. Everyone who knew me knew that I operate with pure logic. Every decision I make is based on a pros and cons list, including the ones to kill my family. Let's start with the meaning of life. Everyone thinks the meaning of life is a deep, unsolvable mystery. But the conclusion I came to is really simple. The only reason to exist is happiness. In fact, every decision you make is solely because it contributes to your overall happiness. I know many of you will disagree with me, but hopefully I can convince you with a few examples. We just, I, I agree with them. No, I do agree with them. People do strive to be happy. So, they're like, it'll be happy if this guy will finally stop unloading me and start unloading me at this dock. Back to the note. There's obvious choices we make, like watching movies or playing video games, which make us happy directly. But then there's a more obscure and less obvious decision. Students don't attend school for direct happiness, but they view the alternative as worse for the happiness, whether it's disappointing their parents or not having a future. So they go, thus contributing to their total happiness. The others who skip view the others who skip view school as the worst decision and feel the short-term happiness is more valuable. Some of your you religious people might say you only live to please God, but the act of worship is yet another decision you make makes you content. Even more selfless things like going to your annoying friend's birthday party is something you make you, makes you happy because all your other friends knowing you skipped will make you feel worse. Going to work, taking drugs, even taking out the trash are decisions we make for happiness and happiness only. So if you only reason to live for happiness, then logically you shouldn't live if you aren't happy. That makes sense, right? Imagine waking up being waterboarded for an hour, electrocuted for 20 minutes, forced to watch the first half of back to the office, back to off season nine, where we finally put to sleep office and finally put to sleep now imagine repeating that cycle daily until you died in this scenario i'm sure that every single one of you would prefer death whether you want to admit it or not although i'm not in quite as a bad of a situation it's bad enough to warrant suicide i live in much pain and turmoil that isn't worth living anymore i'm aware my death will bring sadness to everybody but i guess i'm just too selfish to care not selfish enough, however. There's my family, and for one reason, I forced myself to live for 19 years. I know I said I operate on logic, but the one emotional aspect of my life is the only reason I'm here. I love my family and generally do, and that's exactly why I decided to kill them. If I just killed myself, they would be miserable. They would spend the rest of their lives feeling guilt, despair, and a multitude of other objectives that means sad. Even after they got over it, it would become a permanent facet of their lives, i.e. someone I love killed himself and I can't do anything about it. Instead of having to deal with the aftermath of my suicide, I could just do them a favor and take them with me. None of us would ever feel sad again. My brother and I tried for a bit. There were small improvements, like me doubling my medication again diagnosed with ADHD, but we eventually realized we just biding our time. Waiting a year was too long. Why not why why not wait? 
a month. The plan was simple. We get two guns. I take one, shoot my sister and grandmother while my brothers kill our parents with the other ones. Then we take ourselves out. I would say the only hard part of the plan was getting the guns, but that would be a lie. My fourth and final point, gun control in the U.S. is a joke. All my brother had to do was go to the gun shop, say something about wanting a gun for home defense, sign some forms, and that was it. There was a question asking if he had any mental illness, but get this, he lied. He literally just said no. They didn't ask for proof or if he was taking any medications, he was. Just a yes or no question. Literally, anyone could get a gun if they haven't been officially diagnosed. Thanks for making the process so easy. And by the way, this is in Texas, so yeah. In my last few minutes, I re realized I needed to get rid of my money and decided to do so by helping out some people on GoFundMe. I would just say, like to say, what the fuck, the fundraisers, fundraisers are organized by most raised. Why the fuck is organized the most effective way of raising as much money as possible? How are you supposed to start your project if the top ones are the ones with the most money? That doesn't make any sense, literally no sense. I only scrolled for 20 minutes, and the least amount raised I found was 35000 This shit is pissing. Make this, this shit is, make no, if it's hard to read this letter because they have breaks, you have to jump around. This shit is pissing, makes any sense. Literally no sense. I only scrolled for 20 minutes. Okay, I read 35000 This shit pissed me off. And it pissed me off to the point where I'm going to donate charity now. I know it's less effective, but I can't. I don't care. Fuck the people who program the filter on GoFundMe. I don't care how many lives you change. You could have changed even more if you had just made multiple filters. And now we're here. Well, I guess my family and I aren't. But you get the point. So, yes, if you sat through that letter, thank you. This was his final letter that he wrote prior to killing his family. I, I don't know if it was right before or if there was a time frame before, and the police don't know either. And one thing good is I finally felt my truck shake around, so they're unloading me. So that is awesome. But, yeah, he, there's some things in there where it was a cutting himself. And with um, giving away, a lot of people say, if you know somebody who's just for no reason starts giving stuff, everything away, I mean, you know, leery of them. And also, can you any kind of marks on their bodies? I knew a lot of people growing up who that's how they dealt with depression and sadness is by cutting themselves, self-mutilation. But that's their letter. And if you want to pay respects to the Talhans family, they're all buried in the same place here in Texas. Well, I'm not in Texas, but in Texas at the Muslim Cemetery on Rippey Road at US 380 in Crum, Texas, Denton County. They're all there. Now, normally I would say because the boys killed their parents, would like that they killed them and then commit suicide. I'm not saying go piss on their graves or nothing like that. I'm not saying that because they did have some mental issues that they did deal with all their life i mean it's like if you have a computer and your main i think it's a hard drive not the hard drive but the main processor it has an issue you don't just take a hammer to it and destroy it you go get it fixed you go help and it looks like at one point they did try to get these boys help but sadly i guess it was just not enough sometimes situations like this i believe 
it only isolate you know institutions as it sucks not jail but so something like this so we don't lose this happens you know a family just ended just like that a grandmother mother father two sons and a daughter that could have been prevented but okay now let's go on to my third and last story which just starts off kind of sad but it kind of has a a miracle ending but yeah we're talking about Yvetta Adams now we're going to go back to the Empire State Building on this so after losing her job the 29 year old Bronx woman was probably living off a hundred dollars welfare checks unable to pay the rent her landlord was threatening to evict her and her 10 year old son so in a deep depression and not knowing what to do she found herself on top of the Empire State Building it's a 102 story midtown Manhattan building complete well, here's a little story on it it was complete in 1931 it's, it's internationally recognized with the height of 1250 feet but yeah she wasn't the first person and we talked about the other person a few people that go on the story about what happened of course I already talked about Evan McHale but on Sunday evening on that early December Adams had wandered over the Bronx to the Manhattan to see the lights they were so pretty I wanted to reach out and touch them she quoted as saying afterwards Adams climbed over the fence that surrounded the observation what can I talk platform on the building's 86th floor and left but she'd never find death as something incredible happened winds instantly originally thought of as a miraculous as of as miraculous but the gust of wind blew Yvette Adams back on the building landing her just one flight down so she went down how far she went down but the wind blew her back one story below that she where she jumped from was nothing short of extraordinary on the day the winds were said to be blowing somewhere between 23 and 38 miles an hour after jumping and Adams landed on a two and a half foot ledge on the 85th floor. Reportedly, security guard Frank Clark heard Adams moaning and reached out of the floor window, floor's window to pull her into safety. She was then taken to Bellevue Hospital in severe pain. The results were either the results of either a broken hip or pelvis. After being treated, she was placed under psychotic, psych, citric, psych, I can't talk today. You know, watch while a hospital spokesman said she was, you know, in satisfactory condition. After the fall, in the aftermath, the Vida animals alleged said, allegedly said from the hospital, "All I remember is the pain. I was in so much pain that I wasn't afraid." She also quoted saying, "I'm not sure if the winds pushed me back or pushed me off." So, I know an article published the following day in the local New York paper. The police officer named Joseph Bay said it was more than an assumption that Adams jumped was a suicide attempt as she had to make the climb over the fence. So she, in order to, she said maybe the winds blew her off, but she had to climb over the fence. So literally, you know, she had some issues and she wanted, she felt like this was the only thing that she could do and only, the only thing that would help her. My mind went blank on the word, I don't know. Well, yeah, so there's three, you know, suicides where, where the first one, unfortunately, 
like I said, I'm going to try to post picture on that pictures of that. But last time I posted, Facebook blocked it. So, but yeah, I want to leave on a happy note. I couldn't find what happened after that. You know how her life went. You know after the jump, and I forgot to turn my volume off on my phone. I know I'm professional to me. <laughs> but okay, I'm back. I should have done that in the first place. Turn all my volumes down on my phone and everything. But yeah, the first, you know, knowing outside that note that she was dealing with depression, the you know, the first story I told, and then with her with financial issues and stuff like that, and also with the two boys, a lot of this, you know, could have been prevented if they received the help, or maybe the people that surround them, they did, maybe they did ask for help, and they didn't know how to. But yeah, there's a suicide hotline if you do feel the need to harm yourself or you don't think your life's worth to go to cdc.gov forward slash suicide where if you do need to talk to someone or call somebody you get down 988 which will take you right there's like a 911 call but yeah 988 suicide and crisis hotline or i gave a number at the beginning of the the segment rather than my podcast or you could chat at 988lifeline.org that's 988-L-I-F-E-L-I-N.org or you can text at 838-255 there's always somebody there for you to talk to and look at these I was looking at these numbers they're terrifying suicide is the leading cause in of death in the United States it was responsible for nearly 46,000 deaths in 2020 in 2020, estimate 12.2 million adults seriously thought about suicide. 3.2 million had plan had a plan, and 1.2 million attempted suicide. So, 33 per, it's a suicide rates in 2020 were 30 percent higher than 2000. So, something needs to be done about this. And I don't know, I'm kind of lost for words right now, but yeah. And I told you I will talk about myself, why, what made me lead, what led me to do this. I wasn't going to do this at first because I thought, why would, you know, nobody wants to just want to hear about suicide of Evelyn McHale and, you know, Avita Adams and the two boys who killed them, killed their family and everything. But the reason, one of the reasons why I haven't been posting too many, uh, too, putting too many episodes out because I too myself do suffer from very bad depression and a lot of it started once i got out of the army i don't know if it's post-traumatic stress disorder and then maybe just the isolation of being in my truck and i thought maybe if i got a job at the correctional office you know the plinsky unit that maybe it might be better i'll be able to be around my family but when that fell through it put me like in a big hole that i didn't think i was going to get out of many days i thought myself maybe it wasn't worth it and to being on the road i do try to you know associate with people but i don't know if they're just too busy or but i don't know i took it as a personal hit against myself like they don't like me or maybe i was around every time i do interact with them i leave it thinking that what did i do wrong how did i fuck things up and it got so bad i didn't want to go to sleep because it put me in a different reality that was far from my own so it's just been rough and then the really thing i'm not saying i'm strong i'm not saying well, one of the two things that do keep me from really going over the edge, which is I'm looking down at it, 
is who would take care of my wife or who would, and of course my daughter. I had a daughter, Dahlia, at an older age, so I do really appreciate her. Now, this is just me. Some people, you know, like the two boys, they they didn't really think about it. But when you get that state of mind, you really don't think about nobody. You just think, I'm doing them a favor. And sometimes I might think that too, but I don't know. I do promise I will not do nothing. I am utilizing these sources. I'm going to try to start to. Also, I went to the 2022 Podcast True Convention. So that really gave me hope. Maybe something will come out of this podcast. And maybe something might come. So maybe I'll be able to do this full time one day. And quit my job. But anyhow, enough about that. I don't think y'all want to hear me whining and crying about myself. So... If you like what you listen to, please rate and review on iTunes or anywhere you listen to. Also, you can email me at truckstopmurder at gmail. And also, if you want to support me, help me grow, it's always Patreon, patreon.com forward slash truckstopmurder. And if you made it this far, thank you. I do appreciate it. You guys do help me from day to day, too. So when I see these posts on my Facebook group, or my Twitter, Twitter is at Truck Murder, and Instagram Truck.Murder, and Facebook, I just gives me hope, I guess you could say, for a better future for myself and my family. But alright, y'all have a good one, I'm not going to end with my normal saying, I'm just going to say, good luck, and if you need help, 988. Or if you just want to talk to somebody, I'm always ready to talk to anybody, I'm on the road by myself, so... If I see a message come across my message board or wherever, I'll be excited to talk to you. But, yep, you have a good day. I am out of here.